0: On this week's episode of the XI Network podcast, the boys are officially back, as is the English Premier League after 100 days off due to COVID-19. We are going to look at Hawkeye technology with a discussion around, is there room for error when we bring technology into the game? We're going to discuss the dumpster fire that is Arsenal, look at Liverpool as they skip towards the title, and round up the rest of the games from the weekend. All that and much, much more coming up right here on the XI Network podcast. Hello and welcome back to the XI Network podcast. It has been a while, but we are back in action. My name is Justin Boro and joining me today, back from the dead, from across the world,
1: we have the one, the only, Cengiz Khan. I'm here to talk about football and make fun of Justin. It's been too, too, too long since I did either of those things. Um, But we're going to have fun. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy that you're back. That sultry
0: British accent can never leave this podcast ever again. And, of course, as usual, we have with us the one, the only, Mr. Peter Robinson himself.
2: (laughs) Uh, I've been laughing for like four days now. (laughs) It's just gonna keep keep happening. I see. And I see quarantine. Like this is just, I see quarantine has uh, uh,
1: warped your mind, and Arsenal has come along to help.
2: <laughs> it has been like a bright signing shun or signing signing shun. Shun, shun. It's wow. been a bright signing shun. It's been a great. I stuff. speak on the phone all day long with my job, and I cannot pronounce you normal not, words. You should not have this a job anymore after that. that I should not have a job. <laughs> um it has been a bright shining sun that Arsenal has been in the dumps and i'm so happy that we get to talk about it because i just want to i just want to pull them through the dirt i just want to you know kick dirt in their face for any, step for on the back a, of their for head for any
1: listeners reading um, the reading for any listeners listening uh, who are new or perhaps have forgotten <laughs> uh, Peter is a supporter of tottenham hotspur which would explain <laughs> the prejudice and the vitriol that you just heard alongside the bad bad English. The bad English.
0: Well, before we jump into it, because guys, football is officially back and I am so excited about it. It has been far too long. A hundred days felt like a thousand years. Um, my first question for you, Chenges, is do you have a fun fact for us?
1: I don't think I do. Not today. Oh,
2: Oh, man. when when you messaged the group
0: did you know i thought you had <sighs> one loaded in the chamber no that's the reason yeah, i'm right. calling you the,
1: right the problem the problem is that <laughs> it's it's a little hard to to make these jokes right now because we are in a we are in a serious situation here and you know with football being off the air for so long it's it was a sobering reminder to all of us that we are all in this together and we are um, we have a duty to one, eno- to one another to, to look out for each other, to care for each other. A little bit of inconvenience goes a very, very, very long way to making sure that we are all safe, secure, and you know healthy. So I hope everybody listening has been following the government guidelines, has been taking steps to limit the spread of coronavirus, because we are still in it. It may not seem like it with the sun out and people outside making an absolute ass of themselves, but we are still living in this pandemic um on a lighter note though did you know that um gender was a scam invented by bathroom companies in the 1960s to sell more (laughs) bathrooms
0: (laughs) i was so happy that you had one because i've i've been waiting for this for so long um so uh for the listeners out there who might not know chenge's uh sadly left XI Network for a little while to travel the world. So before we jump into football, Changis, why don't you give a really quick preamble about your
2: worldly travels?
1: Yes, I left the XI Network to get away from you and better myself as a human being. That's a great way of uh, introducing (laughs) that. And then he always
2: comes crawling back. Always comes back. Yes, because
1: I realized that I am actually no better off as a human being with or without you. So there we go. Read read into that what you will. Um, No, so last September... No, yeah, last September... I decided to move back home to Dubai because things were not working out. Professionally, I was I was pretty in, in the pits mentally as well, uh, as a result of my career not really working. Um, so I went back, I went to get a little bit of perspective, a little bit of a restart, and I ended up getting a job in Japan uh, with a media company that that uh, is seeking to change the way we learn language. They're called Native Shock. Uh, so I've been hired as the digital media manager. I brainstorm their social media and make their videos and all sorts of good stuff uh, involving just making our website look pretty and making our platform as convincing and as aesthetically pleasing as possible. And of course the platform itself is, is a very, very good one. Anyways, that's enough of that plug. So I've been there, I was in Japan uh, before the pandemic and then after the pandemic hit, I may move back to Canada. Uh, because there wasn't any good reason for me to be in Dubai anymore. I got my job. I had my my refresh, and that's when Justin started blowing up my DMs and um, sending me sure news, did. and it was sure not did. warranted. And I think in send the age, and and in the age of um, Me Too, Justin, you really should have known better uh, than to s- send an unsolicited dick pic. Thank you for that.
0: <laughs> I mean. <laughs> I agree, but at the same time, you're here on the
1: podcast, so clearly I'd just worked. like to point out that Peter did not send me a dick pic. He actually said, welcome back, we missed you, which is the normal thing to say, but uh, you know what?
2: Then I sent you a picture of my face, though, yeah. that's just a dick pic in itself. I so. was going to say, that's pretty much a dick pic in itself. own, listen, right? So.
1: <laughs> listen, I don't need to see a picture of you being hard. I need you to send me something that makes me hard. That's the name of the game. Oh. Oh shit. Right. Peter's face. X, this is, is, this is, is, is XI much I better, network after dark. Peter's face is, I mean, we are recording this late at night. Peter's face is a much better <laughs> vessel for communicating, uh, that emotion than any, cause let's be honest. Penises are ugly. What, what are we talking yeah. about? Can we talk about football now, please?
0: We are going to jump into football right now. I was just waiting for you to stop talking, but you know what? That's okay. okay. It was beautiful. And we are glad that you are back. Um, and speaking of being back, football is officially back. The Premier League started back up on Wednesday. and
2: um, I, l- I just like to note that the Bundesliga has been back for like two weeks already.
1: Yes, and it has Lewandowski been. has been shitting on everyone. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. I mean, Bayern obviously already won the Bundesliga title. That kind of was foregone conclusion. But Erling Haaland... This this kid is a wonder striker, he is the next Robert Lewandowski, just oh, oh. weirder looking.
0: It's it's just been it's been unreal. I mean, watching uh, the the Bundesliga was a nice sort of introduction back into, um, you know, the Premier League, you know, which we knew was coming back, uh, and it's been great watching you know some strong Canadian talents tear it up. Uh, rookie of the season, Alfonso Davies, um, but for the it's most part, amazing. It's 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 out of this world to think that this this talented kid is so young and is going to play for our national team. Uh, it makes me pretty excited for uh, 2026. Can't agree. So uh, but Premier League is back. Let's start with uh, Sheffield United and Aston Villa. Uh, it was a pretty standard game. No, no finish. However, Sheffield United would have something to say about that as goal line technology did not do its job. Um, and there was a goal that was called off. Uh, Nyland seemed to take the ball over his own line. Um, you know, the watch did not vibrate. Um, and Michael Oliver decided not to, um, to go to VAR or call the goal. Uh, I want to get into a discussion about this quickly, guys, but I just want to quickly read the statement from Hawkeye Innovations. And basically, Hawkeye said, During the first half of the Aston Villa-Sheffield United match at Villa Park, there was a goal line incident where the ball was carried over the line by Aston Villa goalkeeper number 5 Nyland. The match official did not receive a signal to the watch nor earpiece as per the goal decision system protocol. The seven cameras located in the stands around the goal area were significantly occluded by the goalkeeper, defender, and goalpost, and this level of occlusion has never been seen before in over 9,000 <laughs> matches that Hawkeye goal line technology system has been in operation. So. Uh, The system was tested and proved functional prior to the start of the match in accordance with the laws of the game and confirmed as working by match officials. The system has remained functional throughout, and Hawkeye unreservedly apologizes to the Premier League, Sheffield United, and everyone affected by the incident. So, first things first, you would think that a technology that is meant to check for goals would take into account the occlusion by things like goalkeepers and defenders... And the post. Or the
2: goalpost.
0: Or the goalpost. Um, now, the question I wanted to pose to both of you guys, and I'll, I'll come to you first, gaze is can we allow any room for error when it comes to technology?
1: No, because when it comes to technology, it is the ultimate arbiter, arbiter of everything. It's like gravity. There is no disputing gravity. It is or isn't. With goal-line technology, the whole point of it was it's either over the ball, over the line or it's not. That's why we've had search contentious calls where the ball was not like, it was like two millimeters or some shit. Like we've had goals like that that came down to the millimeter. In all instances, it, like we set the precedent, we all agreed, okay, the ball has to be over the line. And then we made the technology to be very strict about that. To then, and and I don't know about occlusion. I think occlusion sounds like a bit of a cop-out to be honest because there is more than eight or nine different camera angles. We saw one as the audience, and we could all see, occlusion or not, that that was over the line. That's the thing that gets me, is that even if, this, if, this, if the sensors aren't working correctly, if the sensors do not work, then there needs to be something in place for Hawkeye to say, there is an issue, please judge this by the eye. And we have goal line cameras now. Like that is a thing. That is what the audience saw in the VAR review. They didn't see Hawkeye do its thing, but we all saw it. Everybody involved with the match saw it, but then it comes down to the whole system of clear and obvious, which then if you're going to play that stupid game, it wasn't clear and obvious because of the occlusion. So that's why the goal was not given. And I think the whole system of... Hawkeye, yes, okay, technology does fail on occasion, that's fine, but the fact that there's no fallback, and it's a fallback that we don't even need s- like a backup technology system, we can use these, right? And in this is instinct, let me point to my eyes, sorry, I forgot this was a podcast for a second. Um, <laughs> like The fact that we can see it so clearly that it was over the line, This it just brings me back to uh, England versus Germany in the World Cup, it's like everybody could see it. Yeah. It was so yeah. obvious, it was not even close. But because there was no system of checks and balances with regards to bad decisions, or uh, the due process of these decisions, the, the original decision stands. And that is not good enough. In 2020, when we have technology, when we have technology to establish a precedent, and that precedent is that the truth of the, of the sequence of play must be upheld. The integrity of the, the course of actions needs to be upheld, and it needs to be reacted to accordingly. When you have everything like that, and then you just blame occlusion, and then you you don't uh, you don't follow it up with with a separate investigation. Take five minutes if you need to to look at the damn monitor.
0: And now my next right. question was: We also have VAR now in the Premier League, and so why did VAR not step in and say because you know, VAR, VAR is be a joke at. of
1: a system? VAR does not have any interest, in my opinion, of honoring the actual results of the action that's being performed in the game. We've seen time and time again that referees get decisions wrong. And then VAR will protect them under the guise of clear and obvious.
2: Well, this is the thing. So I'm reading right now that, so the P-G-M-O-L, so is the Organization Responsible for Match Officials, stated after the match that under IFAB protocol, the VAR is able to check goal situations. But in this instance... The fact that the on-field match official didn't receive a signal, and the unique nature of that, obviously, the VAR chose not to intervene, even though they probably would have had uh, a camera angle that obviously shows the ball inside the net.
1: There's no procedure. And it, it's, or protocol. it's almost
0: it's it's almost like it was this weird game of dominoes where you know Michael Oliver saw the ball in the net. He knew it was a goal, but he was waiting for the confirmation from the technology. It didn't come. VAR figured that, you know, goal on technology wasn't going to get it wrong because it measures it down to the millimeter. And so then they were like, oh, maybe we're looking at it from the wrong angle. Yeah. And so it seems like all of these dominoes sort of fell awkwardly and nobody stepped in to say, hey, we've made a mistake here. Yeah. So then that kind of leads me into my next question regarding this, which is sort of are referees relying too much on technology? Because, you know, you saw Michael Oliver at halftime saying to the Sheffield players, it, you, and you could read his lips. It didn't buzz. What do you want me to do? He was saying, and it's because he realizes that if he would have went against the technology and called it a goal, when the technology wasn't there or when it didn't buzz and he got it wrong, he would have been torn to pieces. And so are are referees losing their ability to use their, their own judgment? Like what they're actually being paid to do is to referee the match.
2: I I think they are losing it a little bit. I think they're relying very heavily on goal line technology and VAR and things like that. So they're not using their own own judgment.
1: I have a very different take on this. Um, I don't think they know how to use it, at all. Mm-hmm. I think they're 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 relying on it the system being a one or a zero, like a yes or a no. Um, and the the reality yeah, it's is binary. The whole thing's binary. Yeah, the whole thing is binary, and it should be binary because that's I, I fundamentally don't think the referees understand technology. I don't think they understand how to use it properly. We've seen this with like with with VAR and the millimeter offsides. Like really, like why are you using yeah. VAR for that? and then on top of
2: drawing these lines and everything yeah. like you think they would have been able to do that for the goal
1: yeah and they're not they're not using their precision in the way that it needs to be applied they're not using it for goals that could be goals or not goals i mean yes okay Hulk, I supposed to cover that but then you have the same tools to do the same kind of measurements and if we the audience can see it's a clear goal then you should be able to draw some lines in 2 seconds to confirm that it's a goal the problem is mm-hmm. that var is not I think that the ref association or the people who are making the decisions, they know that technology will expose just how low the standard of refereeing actually is in the Premier League. So then they devise a bunch of rules to protect them and to prevent the actual VAR team to call out these, these, these discrepancies, to call out these bad decisions. I do think that the VAR team is under instruction to not get involved as much as possible perhaps for this integrity of the game, perhaps for the uh, the spirit of old-school football, which I understand, but all you see on Reddit, on Twitter, on Facebook, wherever you engage in football media discussions is VAR didn't do its job, or VAR did this, or that, or the other. At this point, the conversation about football has changed fundamentally to include technology, and you can't shy away from this anymore. The game has changed. It's time to use VAR to actually get these decisions correctly. Right now, none of that is happening. All of it is very, very antiquated. It feels like we're looking in on, on wrongness, but it's not being enforced. It's like I'm watching a bunch of correct politicians make decisions on say education without actually having a teacher in the room. <laughs> That's what it feels like.
0: No, and I a hundred percent agree with you, and I think that you know we're at the point now, where, like Peter said, where the referees are you know relying too heavily on this technology, and so then the problem with that becomes the technology can't get it wrong. We we have room for error, for human error, but if we're gonna introduce technology into the game to try to make it better, then there has to be a zero percent um, failure rate. Like there there can't be room for failure because if so if we're going to allow room for technology to, to make mistakes, then just get rid of it let referees make decisions. And if they get it wrong, they get it wrong. And if they make mistakes, then we count it down to human error. And I think that that's what we really need to focus on is the fact that at this point there's, it's still not strong enough. It's still not being used efficiently enough. Um, like Chenge said, possibly to because they don't want to draw attention to the bad refereeing in the Premier League. Um, But it's not being used correctly, and it's starting to really piss off a lot of people. Um, Speaking of pissing off a lot of people, um, (laughs) Arsenal is a massive dumpster fire, uh, and a lot of Arsenal fans are not happy. Um, So Arsenal fell on Wednesday 3-0 to Man City, uh, and then they lost on Saturday 2-1 to Brighton uh, with a a final minute goal, uh, which absolutely just set, uh, you know, Mikel Arteta's brain on fire. Um, what's going on with Arsenal right now? I mean, you know, this is a team that looked like it had promise at the beginning of the year. Uh, a lot of young talent came in. They, they seem like they were, they, they sort of had some sort of path and it just seems like now they're
1: imploding before you continue, before you continue everything in your head, what you were just about to say, think about 2015, 2016, <laughs> 2017, <Okay>. 2018, 2019. <laughs> okay. Every that statement could have applied to you're any right, one of you're those. You
0: right. Days. And um, it feels a little bit like deja vu. Um, but I, I need to ask you, I need to ask you guys, I'm going to come to Peter for this one. Where is, and and you can't give a cop out answer by saying David (laughs) Luiz. Um, but where is, where (laughs) is Arsenal going wrong right now? Is it Arteta? Is it the formation? Is it the players? Like what's, what is, what is going on with this team?
2: Yeah, this isn't, uh, this isn't a David Luiz issue. It's not a Mikel Arteta issue. I think it's, he is a Mikel Arteta is someone who has like lost the team and it's a bunch of players who don't want to play for them. You have a bunch of injuries right now, a bunch of bad, bad, bad signings and a whole bunch of wasted money. And I, I think it's a lot of not spending or not giving time to the players that should be getting time. Realistically. I mean, Socrates needs to go like Mustafi needs to go like they signed Cedric Suarez on loan, and he's been injured for almost the whole season. Aubameyang has nobody to play with. Nicolas Pepe is a ball hog who doesn't finish. We've seen that. You know, Eddie and Kedia, I'm pretty sure he's on loan at Leeds. Um, Like, Lacazette doesn't want to be there. You know, Danny Ceballos, he's got a little bit of quality, but, I mean, he, he's not what they need. And then you have, like, Hector Bellerin. He's more... Um, He's more hes more interested in being a model only than player. being an actual player. <laughs> you know, Kieran Turney was a good signing from Celtic, but he still needs time. Um, you know, Rob Holding isn't that good. Let's be real. Callum Chambers isn't that good. Um, then you have obviously David Luiz and Kalasinac, Like you've got a bunch of players who just don't, they, they don't stand for what Arsenal was. So, Arsenal under Arsene Wenger was something that was scary to play against. You know, they had highly technical players. They had very good strikers. Their defense wasn't always the best, but it had these strong, like, tough players. They don't have that anymore. You know, Granit Xhaka is a walking red card. We've known that since he was bought. Guendouzi isn't anything special. You know, he's got a motor, and I think that's about it other than having the stamina to play a full 90-plus, you know, he, he, do, he doesn't have the pinpoint passing. He doesn't have the long passing. He doesn't have a shot. Like, what is special about this guy that he gets into an Arsenal midfield? Um, I think Ainsley, Maitland, Niles doesn't get, ta- doesn't get time. And Mesut Ozil doesn't even make the bench.
1: All right, real quick, before we get go further, I mean, we can sit here and criticize players all we want, but this is a systemic thing. It is. It comes from the had, top. They've had... Yeah, they've had they've had so many good individual players and we've we've seen worse players get into better clubs but perform better. Oh yeah. Like, I personally <laughs> don't rate Jordan Shakiri for Liverpool that much. Mm-hmm. But he scored two goals against United, and for that he's forever a hero in my books. <laughs> sorry, Justin. Actually, no, I'm not. Why did I lie? Oh. The, the, no, you're, you're but the not the point sorry. is, like, Shakiri had a <laughs> reputation for being a bit of a hothead, for not being a team player, and then he comes into Liverpool, and all of those concerns sort of evaporate because he's bought into a very, very slickly run machine. Like, Liverpool are a fantastic team that stems from the top, from the owners, from the director of football, from the manager especially, who's instilled a sense of discipline. But Arsenal, since Wenger left, have been chopping and changing a lot. They've been run by committee. They have Stan Kroenke as an owner who doesn't really give a fuck. He just cares about the bottom line. It's to to blame any one player I think is very short-sighted because the whole institution of Arsenal Football Club is not the same as the Henri days. It just wasn't. It wasn't the same as the Glory days. Since Emirates hasn't come into the picture they have become more concerned with the bottom line than they have been about putting out a good product. The only goal that I can remember from Arsenal was the Jack Wilshere team goal with uh, with like the 20 passes or whatever it was that just cut through defense. That's the only goal I remember from Arsenal. And that's not right.
0: Uh, I agree with you. And it's, it's, it's almost like an identity issue. They just, they've kind of forgotten who they are. Um, they've forgotten who they are, you know. And... I think that what we really need to look at here is, first off, I just want to say, I think it's hilarious that the second I bring up Arsenal, Peter's just like, one second, let me just get my shit list
2: out. <laughs> you know what, though? But, just, but it's, like, total, it's, like he's it's been, totally valid this year. Like, even Arsenal fans are ripping their team it apart. Is,
0: it is valid, but it was just—it's just funny how the second I bring it up, you're like, one second here. Oh man, I could keep going on. I could rant keep about going everything on. that is wrong with like Arsenal. Dan Kroenke like, is
2: a horrible owner.
0: Yeah. No, there's there's a lot of big systemic changes that need to be made at Arsenal before they can be, you know, um, considered a, a legitimate, you know, top six threat. Um, top six. We're talking you know, about it's, top it's half what, right now. I, I agree for this season, but I mean just, you know, realistically looking at the you know, looking at the league, I, I think that, you know, they're a team that are they're they're almost like they're almost becoming like an Everton, like that middle of the middle of the pack team that that sort of just falls out of you know they're they're there to play they they're they're around they can do a little bit of damage but for the most part they're not really that scary anymore they don't really have that much of a threat and and until they kind of get their act together they're a team that you know you're you you do not need to worry about right.
2: well because there's nothing special about them like we were saying they don't have any leadership like Liverpool I mean Chenge can can speak to this but uh you know like what you were saying. they It comes from the top. They have leadership. They they have a vision. They have Jurgen Klopp who can bring them into the right frame of mind for each game and sort of push them forward. They have Jordan Anderson, Virgil van Dyke. you know, even Allison is a good leader. You've got Trent Alexander-Arnold. Like, I could just keep on naming players. James Milner who just have these leadership qualities about them and you look at the Arsenal team and you're like, wait a second. Who is the voice in the locker room? Who's the guy who's going to grab one of their players by the shirt and tell them to go mark someone who's the one who's going to go tell them to go do their job and they don't have anyone who does that and that's the reason they fall apart on the pitch
0: couldn't have said it better myself and speaking of falling apart on the pitch uh let's move on now to united and spurs um because no. uh i i thought it was a law moment peter doesn't seem too happy with my the with my only jokes, but, yeah okay um, i want to know where you're going with this because
2: <laughs> i'm confused
0: well, uh, once again, you know, Spurs... I'm uh, just going to go make a cup up of tea <laughs> <laughs> For Once again, Spurs give up a, a late opportunity. You know, Eric Dyer, um, you know, concedes a... a I, I would say it's a, it was a pretty bad penalty. Um, and Bruno Fernandez puts it away. Uh, United and Spurs draw 1-1. What, what were your thoughts on the game? Because I, as a United fan, uh, I wasn't too thrilled by it I I mean you know both teams looked rusty you could tell that it's been a while since they've played um you know I was glad that it was back but uh it just kind of felt like I was hoping to find some sort of renewed energy uh and it, it just didn't seem to be there um you know where what do both of these teams need to sort of regenerate themselves and and find that renewed passion
2: uh Manchester United need a new goalkeeper first off um and maybe a mobile center back that isn't Eric Bailly. And then they might have something going. Um, Spurs. Honestly, Son should have had a goal. Um, Bergvine had a great run. But, I mean, he went around Harry Maguire like he wasn't even there. Harry Maguire might as well had just been sitting up in, you know, Rosette in the stands uh, for all that mattered. Because Bergvine just went right by him. Um, and, and the shot was very saveable. I think everyone can agree, and everyone has taken David De Gea apart because of that. It was very saveable, and if you're Spain's number one and one of the best goalkeepers in the Premier League, you need to make that save. I think.
0: Oh, for sure, it was was a horrible goal to concede, and you know the. But I I think overall, the entire game sort of had this, um, this feel to it. Like it just felt like it was sort of a deflated balloon. Like it just felt like there were so many chances where there there could have been, you know. Um, like a, a big play or, or a big opportunity, and it sort of just seemed to fall flat. Yeah. I um, think it was
2: the first game back. So, obviously, was, you know, it's a it's a trying out period for the muscles and things like that. Because it sure they sure. had friendlies and interteam friendlies and stuff like that um, coming into that game, but it's not the same. It, it's not the same as when you're in an actual, like, you know, fight with another team. It, it's completely different. So, I can see why there might have been a little bit of... I don't know. I guess you could say they played a little bit timid, both teams. But then...
0: Yeah, there was they were kind of feeling each other out. Yeah,
2: but then Jose Mourinho did classic Jose Mourinho where he tried to park the bus for the last part of the game. And, you know, Pogba comes on. And, you know, we know Pogba's a class midfielder. We know that Bruno Fernandez is class. Um, You can't give these guys space. You can't give them time. Pogba gets by Eric Dyer. And, you know, Eric Dyer... (laughs) He had this great start for his Tottenham career scoring against West Ham. Um, and that it's just been kind of a, not a free fall per se, but he just hasn't lived up to, I think, what people thought he was going to be. Um, it doesn't help that he's injured quite a bit. Um, but yeah, giving up something like that, like a penalty like that, it's, just, it's, it's not what needs to be done in a 1-0 game
0: definitely and that was the it was that point of the game where you know it, you could kind of feel like they were they were kind of just holding on for dear life and like you said it's the it's a classic jose Mourinho, you know try to get the goal and then defend for the rest of the game um and it, it just it doesn't seem to work that's, that's not a that's not the kind of team that spurs are um and i, I think that really showed um chengiz what what did you think of the game overall i mean minus the fact that i know you think that both teams are shite but I mean, did you have any any thoughts tactically of of what you know? Because because I, I get that it was a, it was a trying out period, and both teams are kind of feeling each other out and and trying to sort of get their legs back under them. But you know, from there was other games on the weekend that 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 had a bit more gusto to them, and this game just kind of
1: felt like it was two teams that just didn't really give a shit. I have similar thoughts about United, you know, as I do for Liverpool, Everton. Um, I think the, the 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 nicest thing I can say about both of those games to be honest is that both teams were trying their best not to lose. Yeah. It just it just wasn't Yeah. It, it, nobody was playing to win, they were trying not to lose. And I think that's a fair way to approach a game right now because how many months have we not had football? You said 100 days. 100 days. Yeah. So people are rusty, people are unfit. Like P- people are pulling up with hamstring injuries. People are not necessarily lasting the full 90. We have five substitutions as well now. It's hard for me to say anything good, especially with respect to United Spurs, partially because of my bias, but also um, <laughs> because there just wasn't much to say other than like, well done for actually completing the game and getting it done. It's, it, and it,
0: both teams walked away with a point.
1: Yeah, and both teams walked away with a point, which I think under the circumstances is not the worst thing in the world right now. Um, I don't think I, like, I don't want to say, sit here and smoke, like blow smoke up, up their ass because it was a boring game. It just wasn't entertaining for me. I mean, like with Arsenal, you city, the only reason it was entertaining is because Arsenal did not look like they were trying to, to not lose. You know, they didn't care at all. It was, it's, it's a different level of not caring. For sure.
0: Uh, And I I think that, you know, as the the weeks go on and as the the league kind of comes back, we're going to we're going to start to see a bit more fire. But um, speaking of fire uh, and what we were expecting to be, you know, a a pretty exciting game, which did not turn out to be. uh, Let's jump into the last game we're going to talk about, which is Liverpool Everton, uh, the Meijer side derby. That was never going to be a good game. I but I just thought that Liverpool, you know, was so hungry for this title. They know that it's gonna be theirs, but it's like you would think yes. they wanted to just get it yes. snatched up and it, it just felt like they they weren't really gunning for
1: it today. For the um, last three de- for the last three years, the Goodison Derby, the like the away Everton home version of the derby has been shit to watch. Because Everton played to defend and fine, I get it, you know, Liverpool. But it's not good football. And it's not fun to watch. And on top of that, there isn't a lot of local blood in the Everton squad. There's a lot of shitheads and there's a lot of temper. <laughs> so the the occasion of the Merseyside derby is, I think, a little lost on the Everton squad right now. I could be wrong, but they don't play like they don't play with the fire that like Phil Jagielka did, or yeah. or like uh,
2: Leighton Baines like.
1: Like Layden Baines, yeah. Like the, these, these fantastic or like Everton players. Leon Osmond. Oh my god! I need to wash. Right, I need to wash my mouth. Like complimenting these people, but <laughs> Tony Hibbert. Like I respect. Yes, I respected that they came up with their elbows up. The only person who does that in the current Everton squad is Richarlison, and maybe Sigurdsson, and that's just because both of them are absolute assholes. I and, would say the same about Tom uh, Davies. He's. He, Tom Davies is a good shot, yeah. actually. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, you factor in that, that lack of, um, that lack of emotion and passion with it. Um, and then on top of that, everybody like not being fit and everybody being super rusty like Dejan Lovren. Oh my God. He fell over <laughs> twice trying to keep track of Richardson. and okay. Dejan Lovren falling over. That's comedy gold. Also not unheard Best defender of in the world, but that was. That was I think it was like <laughs> within ten minutes of him being on for for uh, for Joel Matip he just fell over and I was like okay well uh, yeah you haven't played football in a while so it just was a low quality game. Goodison was never ever going to be a nice game to watch. I was hoping he would win anyways because Everton lol. but um, like I mean th- think about this though like Justin even even though United has a similar issue where there's not a lot of local blood in the squad anymore but when it comes to liverpool versus manchester united it's a different thing altogether
0: it's it's a different beast it's it's this there's this this fire in it that just you don't you don't see in many other matches yeah um but i i see what you mean and I, without the local blood and without the sort of you know without the 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 passion for the derby it, it it kind of fizzles out and that's what happened in the game today and i get that it was the first game back you know for these teams and so you know they're still trying like like in the united spurs game um they're still trying to you know feel their legs out and and kind of get back into the rhythm of things um, but the game fizzled out to a nil-nil draw. Uh, there was a little bit of an injury uh, scare with uh, James Milner, who went off with what yeah. appeared to be a hamstring injury. Hamstring, yeah. um, And I, I, my my question, I guess, for both of you guys is this: What do you guys want to see from the Premier League for the rest of this season? What what are, what would you guys? What, what's your overall sort of you know hope for the for how this season is going to sort of go out?
2: Um. That, so I think. Liverpool's in a very good position right now where they could literally just bring fold up chairs to each match like with like a margarita and just chill on the field and let the other team score as many goals as possible and still win the title. Like that's that is how big of a lead they have right now on City who's realistically the only team that can catch them like 23 points with what 9 games left. Like, yeah. I, I'm I'm pretty sure uh, you're you're pretty safe, um, that that you're yeah, not going to lose it, you know. But well, obviously we've seen we've seen teams bottle it before, um, so you do have to be a little bit careful. But I mean, you look at their next what five games? They've got Palace City, Aston Villa, Brighton, Burnley, like are very winnable games even for your bench
1: oh, we could win the title at city holy shit yeah
2: yeah next on on what thursday
1: yeah oh damn. so try not to win oh, at no. palace okay
2: <laughs> don't win it or don't win i guess don't win no no we do you can win, win at it palace. at home on wednesday can't you yes yeah because
0: they tied today so they would they still need a win and a half, I guess. So they yeah. need they still need, I guess, two. Well, wins. you need
2: city to lose tomorrow or draw tomorrow.
0: Or city to lose, yeah.
2: Um and then Yeah, I guess you could yeah, whatever. They're gonna win it. As I said, bring fold up chairs to each game, just so, hang out on the pitch. <laughs> um realistically, they should be picking and choosing which games they want to show up for and which ones they don't, um, to help teams or not help teams based on what they can bring for them. So like, you know. If City, you know, City's like, hey, we really need this win because we really want to keep second place. Here is, I don't know, one of our youth team prospects that we really like. I don't know if City even has a good youth team. Here here you go. I
1: mean, City's priority will definitely be the Champions League. Like, we know this. Yeah, it has to Uh, be. I think they they, they all understand that uh, the league is gone. Um, but they do want to go out, you know, with their he- heads held a little high. I think Guardiola is not the type of manager to just say, there you go. He's he's a fierce competitor, and I expect nothing less than absolute, like, domination from City. I, I think I'm going to... I expect them to play for the win for every single fixture remaining. Uh, but with the proviso that if they lose, it's not the end of the world. Because at this point, they are playing for second. Um, with Liverpool, though, for me, my biggest... Ambition with the squad is to be invincible centurions. Because we are still <laughs> undefeated. We are very close to not being defeated for the whole season. And I think that would be um an amazing achievement. Excuse me, I like to chime to in a- just
2: for one second here. You lost to mm-hmm. Watford.
1: Oh shit, we did.
2: Three nil. Oh yeah, yeah, never mind.
1: <laughs> never mind. Sorry. Don't get all high and mighty uh, okay. on us, okay? <laughs> Okay, okay, okay. I misspoke. I'm sorry. I apologize. Peter Peter still has his shit list out don't in Liverpool. Yeah. Is definitely on there. So, please As, <laughs> as don't well
2: as 19 me. other teams in the Premier League.
1: Yes, yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. So no, um, no Invincibles, okay, so. but definitely Centurions. Um, I, and I think that's very doable because we need 16 points from, what, 24 remaining, which is very, very doable. I want us to beat City's record. But most importantly... Out of everything else, because at this point the title is secure for us, out of everything else, I just want everybody to be healthy, come out the other side, and be safe. That's all I want. I don't want anybody to get injured. I don't want anybody to get a coronavirus. I want everybody to be, you know, let's let's finish the season off in a blaze of glory and go back to being socially distant, please. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I couldn't have said it better myself, guys. And what a positive and uplifting way to end this week's podcast. Let me just say that we are so glad to be back bringing you guys the latest football news from around the world. If you have a chance and you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast, leave a rating and a review and share it with your friends so everybody else can find it. And I'm so glad to be saying this again. On behalf of myself, we have been Chenges Khan
1: support local are we still doing that yeah we're still doing um, that okay <laughs> support local football and black lives matter
2: i like uh, it i like it and we have been peter robinson um if you haven't looked at the table leicester city is going to be in the champions league if they continue their form lester no
1: we want sheffield wednesday to be no, sheffield united sheffield and, uh, <laughs> champions league. What is sheffield today's? united is dropping yeah,
2: man they we... lost three nil to newcastle today so
1: no, this time left. I want them to be in the, uh, at least Europe. Nope, they deserve. No,
2: it. Leicester City. No, yes. Sorry. Yes. We need some Casper Schmeichel in the, uh, <laughs> in the Champions League. Uh, and on that Everything. note, uh,
1: Black Lives Matter. Oh, so docile and cute.
0: <laughs> yes, guys, Black Lives Matter, and I'm Justin Boro. I've been your host. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll catch you next time.